Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we're looking at the confirmation process for Donald Trump's controversial new cabinet. With the Republicans in control of both houses of Congress, you might expect this to be a relatively straightforward process. But perhaps not. Joining me on the line to discuss all this are two of the FT's Washington Bureau, Courtney Weaver, a White House correspondent, and Barney Jobson, who covers Congress. Courtney, first of all, just give us a general idea of the process. How smooth or otherwise do you think it's going to be? Well, Democrats have signaled that they're going to target eight of Trump's nominees, which they think are ripe for scrutiny. And basically what that means is they don't see kind of a clear candidate who they think they can derail the nomination of. But what they're looking at are people who, because Trump hasn't done kind of the serious sort of vetting we've seen for previous cabinets, they're hoping that there's some sort of controversy there lingering that might come out during the hearings, or there's something that could become a bigger controversy later on. But the Republicans do have the numbers, don't they? So if party unity holds, I guess everybody goes through. But do you think it will hold? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question. I mean, one of the candidates that they're really looking at right now is Rex Tillerson, who's Trump's nominee for Secretary of State. And the reason they think that he is vulnerable is because several Republicans have said that they basically disagree with Trump's policy on Russia, and they think that Tillerson is not going to be as hawkish on Russia as they would like. So, you know, his background is he worked for Exxon. He was very involved in Exxon's deals in Russia. He was awarded uh, the Order of Friendship by Vladimir Putin during his time in Russia. And people think that, you know, Tillerson is one example of how, you know, Trump is advocating this uh, warmer policy towards Putin. So you have senators like John McCain and Lindsey Graham who are saying that they're not quite ready to to confirm Tillerson yet. So Democrats are hoping that they could basically be the weakest link. Okay, we'll come back to Tillerson in in a second. But Barney, there's a whole bunch of other candidates who, although they may eventually pass muster, could potentially be embarrassed during this uh, congressional process. Do you want to give us an idea of the ones you think are most worth watching out for? Yeah, I think you can divide the the candidates into two groups in a way. Some of them are are black boxes in the sense that we don't know a whole lot about where they stand on on a lot of issues. and, And Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury nominee, would certainly fall into that category. Then the other group is people who in some ways embody Trump's policy agenda. So if we look at the health secretary nominee, Tom Price, he's made a career of trying to repeal Obamacare. Of course, Trump wants to do the same. The nominee to head the environmental regulator, a a gentleman called Scott Pruitt, is a climate change sceptic, just like Donald Trump. And the person he's nominated as education secretary, Betsy DeVos, is all about giving parents more choice or giving students more choice in schooling, which again is something Trump's talked about. So I think a lot of the discussions in their hearings are going to be about those policy choices. Now, Democrats will try very hard to argue that those choices are the wrong choices, that they will hurt ordinary Americans. But coming back to the numbers, it's going to be hard for Democrats to stop any of those nominees, provided some controversy does not blow up, as Courtney mentioned, and provided the nominees don't commit some terrible blunder uh, that embarrasses them so much that, uh, that Republicans, or at least some Republicans, are not willing to support them. Now, presumably, the candidates uh, for nomination will all 
be very well aware of the elephant traps that lie ahead of them. I think Jeff Sessions was first up as Attorney General nominee, and he knew that he would be taken on on questions of civil rights and race and so on, and seemed well prepared. With Steve Mnuchin, who you mentioned, obviously a key position, Treasury, there's been a lot of pre-publicity that the Democrats are going to go after him for having been, if you like, a foreclosure king in his uh, career as as a banker and somebody who made money out of the misery of people losing their homes. Do you think that's going to be a fruitful line of attack or do you think he'll be able to brush it aside? I mean, talking to people, you know, Mnuchin is an alumnus of Goldman Sachs. He's a smart guy. And actually, you know, he's pretty well respected by a lot of Democrats as well. So, I mean, I think Democrats are going to use his hearing as a way to embarrass him and embarrass the incoming cabinet. But like Barney was saying, I mean, I think Democrats are are pretty resigned to the fact that most of these nominees are going to to sail through the hearings. And, you know, yes, there's a chance that one of them might falter, especially someone like Nuchin, who hasn't had the sort of kind of high profile hearing in the limelight before. But I think there's a high chance that the Republicans are going to push through most of these candidates. What about, uh, Barney, about Ben Carson at, at housing? I mean, he's a figure that people got used to a bit during the presidential election because he ran as a candidate. But he appears to have no relevant background for housing. Ben Carson has argued that, you know, just by virtue of his upbringing, he has um, experience of some of the the public housing issues that that job entails. But he certainly doesn't have a a long professional track record of working on those issues. He seems to be an example of of a a Trump ally who the president electors decided to reward with a job like that. But certainly his hearing is going to be one to watch because the Democrats will try very hard to, to make it make out that he's not qualified for the job. So that that's probably going to be one where pre-coaching is uh, is going to be essential to get through. What about more broadly, uh, Barney? Perhaps this this question of conflicts of interest because one of the characteristics of the Trump cabinet is they're very very rich. A lot of these people are billionaires or millionaires, and they have extensive business interests. Do you think that's going to become a theme of the uh, of the nominations? It's certainly a, a, a theme that Democrats are, are going to try to push, and already we're seeing some uh, some arguments over the uh, conflict of inf- interest, or rather the ethical information that some of these nominees have filed. Republicans are trying to get the hearings done very quickly. Democrats are saying that that's not left enough time for them and, uh, and government officials to simply process the ethical information that these nominees need to file. So we'll hear a lot about that in the hearings. And if some of these millionaires and billionaires do get through, I think that's going to set the stage for recurring debate in the years ahead when Democrats are going to charge that the Trump administration is is run by uh, wealthy people who are only looking out for the interests of their own and not not trying to advance the interests of ordinary people. And and Mr. Trump, of course, has has campaigned on helping ordinary folk and and will no doubt argue that, um, that he's continuing to do that. Courtney, just to, you flagged up um, Rex Tillerson at the beginning. Let's talk a little bit more about that. You're, you're obviously a former Moscow correspondent. Do you think that, from what you know, that Tillerson did have a particularly close relationship with the with the Putin's Kremlin, or did he just have to do business with them because he he was in the oil business? Right, that's the big question. Actually, when you talk to a lot of uh, Russia experts even people, you know, who identify as Democrats and maybe would have worked in the Clinton administration, most of them are actually very positive about Tillerson. Um, And they were saying, basically, he was charged with being, you know, a good chief executive for Exxon. And part of that involved, you know, having these relationships with Sachin and Putin. To be honest, I think, you know, this award that he was given by Putin, this order of the friendship, 
has been amplified a bit. You know, this was because of a deal that Exxon did with Rosneft. It wasn't, you know, Putin saying that Tillerson is my best friend and I, I want to give him this special prize. But I do think, you know, Democrats are really latching on to his nomination as a, a way to basically derail the, the hearings and, and just to point to Trump being weak on Russia. I mean, I think if all this stuff with the hacking wasn't going on in the background, you know, Tillerson would be probably one of the most likely nominees to go through. But because Democrats and some Republicans think that Trump isn't taking the hacking allegations seriously, I think they see Tillerson as a way to kind of prove a point to him. And more broadly, it seems to me that for those who are looking for, you know, whether Trump will have an easy or tough ride with Congress, the only issue that there does seem, as you say, to be a real potential rift opening up on is Russia, yeah? Yes, absolutely. I mean, Basically, you have senators, you know, such as John McCain and Lindsey Graham and others from the Republican Party, which historically has been the more hawkish party on Russia and the U.S. And, you know, they were the ones calling for tougher sanctions against Russia in the wake of the annexation of Crimea and Russia's actions in Ukraine. And now all of a sudden here they are with their Republican president who is advocating for closer ties with Russia, which is exactly against um, what they've been you know, wanting. And so the question is, you, if you have other Republican senators, such as Marco Rubio, who has also called for tougher sanctions against Russia, if there will be enough of them to basically make a broader point in Congress and either through the Tillerson hearing or through something else and actually push back against Trump. Now, Barney, I mean, all this stuff uh, has the political class uh, and people like you and me transfixed. But do you get a sense it's got a wider resonance in the American public? Are people watching these hearings interested? No, I think the attention people have pay to the political process has kind of dropped off sharply since election day. So no, you're not going to see tens of millions of Americans glued to these confirmation hearings. But if something dramatic happens, if one of the nominees makes a big mistake, or if Democrats do succeed in finding some skeleton in a closet and making a big issue of that, I think that will draw attention to back to things. But, uh, but I think if uh, otherwise the nominees sail through, most American voters are not going to be paying very close attention. And finally, Courtney, we're about a little over a week away now from the, the moment when Trump is actually sworn in as the 45th president of the United States. Does it feel normal yet? He's such an unusual candidate to, to become president. And I, I guess seen through the relationship with Congress, I mean, one of the big questions which this confirmation process will bring into focus is, will he have a normal kind of working relationship with Congress? Will political Washington accept him? What are the signs so far? So on Monday night, Paul Ryan, who's the, the highest ranking Republican in, in D.C., met with members of Trump's incoming administration, including uh, Mnuchin, his pick for Treasury Secretary, uh, Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, who this week was appointed as senior advisor to Trump, and his incoming chief of staff to talk about tax reforms. And I mean, this is the first sign we have that, or one of the, the biggest signs we have so far that, you know, Trump is really trying to work with Republicans uh, and them with him. I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, we're one week out from the administration, one week out from the inauguration, and Trump hasn't really said that much in public. That will change on Wednesday when he holds his first press conference since the election, and he's expected to address a lot of these conflict of interest issues. But really, the Trump that we've we've seen over the past week has been on Twitter, you know, and on Monday after, or Sunday night after the Golden Globe, he was getting in a spat with Meryl Streep, who criticized him in her acceptance speech. And so it's hard to kind of imagine that he's going to be president, you know, in just a week's time when he's engaging in Twitter fights with an actress, you know, which doesn't seem like it should be his main responsibility right now. 
Okay, well, we'll look forward to seeing how it plays out over the next six months. But for now, thank you very much to both of you in Washington, to Courtney Weaver and to Barney Jobson. That's it for now. Until next week, goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.